G'day, Dave here, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 3. Uh, last time we looked at how there's a man in the wilderness called John. He's at the Jordan River and he's baptizing. That is, he's washing people in the Jordan River to get them ready for the coming of God's King. And there's an anticipation. John is the forerunner. He's the, he's the support act. He's getting people ready for the main event, the one coming after him. Pick it up with me at verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, John says, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. See, John is in no doubt that he's the support act. And he's telling people to get ready for the one coming after him. His baptism was with water. But the one coming after him, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, let's just take it at face value. It means to be washed in God. It means to be cleansed by God himself. So the one coming after John isn't going to be going through some kind of ritual. There's not going to be a symbolic cleansing with washing of water on the outside. No, what this one coming after John is to do is to be internal, internal transformation. This one will wash people with God's Holy Spirit. There will be a cleansing work by God himself because of the work of the king who's coming after John. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit and fire. There's a picture here of judgment. He's coming also to bring judgment it says, verse 12, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. See, the king coming after John is coming to bring division. He's coming to separate people, to divide people and to divide people around himself. This is the extraordinary thing. People are going to make decisions about Jesus that will determine their eternal future whether they are in the kingdom of heaven or whether they were burnt up in unquenchable fire. There'll be the contrast that we'll see in Matthew's gospel. That really is remarkable. The one coming after John is extraordinary. To be able to baptize with the Spirit of God and to be able to bring about a judgment that will determine people's eternal future. You ought to pay attention to the one coming after John. That's what we're seeing. And all the more remarkable because the basis of the decision as to whether you are judged or whether you are cleansed will be how you respond to that king. Now, if Jesus is the eternal king, if Jesus is God come amongst his people, then that makes sense. But if he's just a great teacher, then he's not a great teacher. He's a lunatic or he's a complete, utter, despotic narcissist. But if Jesus is God... If he's the one who will bring judgment and if he's the one who will bring spiritual cleansing, then we need to pay attention. So that's the picture. John's saying, get ready for this one. He's on the horizon. And then look at what happens in verse 13. It's really out of step with what John's been saying. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. What? But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? I mean, John's been saying all along, he's not even worthy to untie this guy's sandals. He's the support act. He's the forerunner. He's not the main event. 
And now Jesus comes, he turns up the king, he's come, he's establishing his kingdom and he goes to be baptized by John. What's happening? You can understand his discomfort, why he'd think this was out of place. But Jesus replies, verse 15, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented to fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is acting rightly towards God. He's submitting to baptism, not because he needs to be cleansed. No, the Bible is very clear that Jesus is guiltless. He's the innocent one. He's free from all sin. In one sense, there is no personal reason for Jesus to be baptized. But there is a missional reason. Jesus is coming for the sake of identifying with sinful people. He's coming to bring cleansing to sinners. And he wants to identify with sinners because here is the one who's going to substitute himself for them as he hangs on the cross and dies. He dies bearing sin upon himself. And right at the start of Jesus' public ministry, he identifies with sinners. He fulfills all righteousness. And what does God think of this? We'll read on verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That is an amazing event. Extraordinary event that takes place. Here you have the Trinity at work. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all at work in this one event of the baptism of Jesus. The Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. God speaks from heaven. As heaven opens, he says, This is my Son. And remember, from what we've seen already in chapters 1 and 2, that doesn't simply mean that he is the Father to the Son, but it means that this is the appointed Son who will be the King in the kingdom. This is the one who was promised. And Jesus, we are told, he is the one who will be that Messiah King, the Son of God, and God loves him, we see there. And with him, God is well pleased. Actually, these words here pick up on two Old Testament passages. Psalm 2, where God speaks to his son, saying to him that you are my son. And also Psalm 42, sorry, Isaiah 42, where God says to the servant who will suffer on behalf of the people, in you I am well pleased. There are hints right at the beginning here of Jesus' ministry that the king who is promised and the suffering servant who is promised will come together in one person, and that is Jesus. You see, what we have following in John's footsteps is Jesus the king who has come to suffer and to die for the sin of the people. He's come to bring about an inner cleansing. He's come to make people like you and I right with God, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's come to do that by identifying with us and dying in our place as our substitute. Of course, we need to get to the end of Matthew's gospel to see how this is borne out within the gospel. But right now, we are asked to get ready. We're asked to soften our hearts, to be prepared to change, to acknowledge that the king has arrived and that he is to be our king, ruling our heart. Friends, as you look at this Gospel of Matthew, keep asking the question, who is he? 
What has he come to do? And what does he want from me? Because we see Jesus who's come from God to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and who calls us to repent, to turn back and to follow him and to trust in him, to live for him and to invest our life with him. Will you do that? If you have, will you keep doing that? Because Jesus remains the King.